0: Welcome to the eighth episode of the Women in CX Podcast, a series dedicated to real talk conversations between women in customer experience. Listen in as we share our career stories, relive the moments that shaped us, and voice our opinions as loudly as we like about all manner of CX subjects. I'll be your host, Claire Muskett, and in today's episode we'll be talking about one woman's journey from business analysis customer experience and her pioneering approach on fusing design methodologies to transform CX. Let me introduce you to today's inspiring guest. Our guest today comes all the way from Cape Town in South Africa. Her career began in consulting and she made the transition into CX through a keen interest in design, leading her to head up CX at a software company before deciding to start her own consulting business, Mapping Key. She's an active member of the CX community, a certified CX professional, and co-author of the best-selling CX Books series. Please welcome to the show, CX sister, Michelle Bardenhorst. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Clay. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Welcome to the Women in CX podcast. Thank you for
1: inviting me. It's really, really nice to be here.
0: No worries. And welcome to everybody listening at home. So, should we dive right in today?
1: Yes. Let's do that.
0: Awesome. Okay. So coming from South Africa, where equality has historically been an issue. What was it like growing up and building a career in a country with such division?
1: So, Claire, I would like to start by saying that um, living in South Africa was a divide. But for me, the divide was around. Uh, rich and poor. So, I mean, I come from a community where I have friends from different racial backgrounds, and I've never seen them any, in any way lesser than myself. But the big divide, the big challenge for, for us is around poverty. And um, I think some of the stats are showing that 20, 50% of South Africans are living in poverty currently, and then there's 27% of the population is in a state of suspected poverty. So the big challenge is around, and, and, and being able to, to lift yourself out of the state of poverty is around um, education, um, skills, and, and creating an income for, for us. Um, so that's what I've really seen. And even the last 25 years with the new government, things hasn't really changed. Um, the challenge is still around poverty. And um, I think um, the World Economic Bank is, is stating that, we need to create, I think it's 6, 600,000 jobs every year wow. for us in South Africa to, to even cr- create a meaningful change. Um, so yeah, so that in itself was challenging. Um, so being able to, to get the, the qualification and the skills in order to make the change is, is, is was difficult.
0: Mm, interesting. So I spent quite a lot of time in South Africa in the last few years, and I get what you're saying, where the division is like visibly obvious as you leave the city, for example, and then there are these like border, bordering townships of people in poverty. Um, I, I guess coming from the UK, we no, never have that kind of division as obviously. So we would have yeah. like housing, um that was paid for by the council for example next to privately owned homes but I don't know I think it's something about the welfare state in the UK that ensures that nobody ever gets to that situation where it Hmm. is is quite the same and um, I guess that leads me on to my next question really so in terms of customer experience in South Africa where do you see customer experience growing and, and where is it absent is it a similar story
1: so um the big organizations in south africa they all have customer experience as a strategic intent there's no business that don't have some element of customer experience somewhere in the, on the strategy um i think the question is really the execution around that um financial industries the banks are trying very hard um there's one bank specifically here with us that i can really that i can uh, present as an example that's really doing the effort and is really becoming more and more customer centric. It's it's a bank called Capitec. Um, they they really I mean just one of the things that they've done during the the pandemic was not only did they give um, payment holidays, they've also um, written off the interest for 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 their customers, or, or um, not written off, but they allowed the clients to not pay. They didn't have to pay interest during the mm-hmm. pandemic. So it's really an example of meeting the clients where they're at and making it practical. Mm. Um, but then on the flip, flip side, you see other clients, other companies that are struggling, um, even in the banking industry. Mm. So, yeah, I think, I think there's, there's typically, there's, there's, there's two groups, there's, there's clients that's really going out, doing what they need to do in order to become customer-centric, making it count. And then there's the group that want to be customer centric and saying that we are, but you don't see the evidence. Mm. Um, so yeah, and I don't think it's different in the rest of the world. I mean, what's what's your view?
0: I, I think it's the same actually, that there's always a strategic intent to put the customer at the heart of everything, but the difference between mm. it being part of a mission statement and it actually being tangible in the experience are hugely different. Um, so yeah, I think I think there's a similarity born out of capability in CX um, and now speaking to women globally I hear very much the same story around the fact that companies that have latched on to data or technology as a solution to CX still aren't managing to translate that into action whereas mm. the ones that perhaps haven't invested as much in technology or data are managing to make bigger strides because they have humanized their approach and their practice to be focused on delivering value in action. So it seems to be a universal challenge (laughs) um, to make that leap from talking about it to really doing it.
1: Yeah, maybe just further to your point, there's also the view if you implemented some kind of customer experience technology or voice of the customer technology, mm. then you customer centric. Mm. So it's, it's, it's a, the it's a, things by implementing some kind of technology to your point that they're solving the problem. Yeah. And I mean, we know that's just part of the problem. Um, mm. Technology is the enabler of the experience that you want to proactively design or, or imagine the experience and then using technology to, to actually em- enable that. Yeah. So, Yeah, definitely the same scenarios playing out in South Africa.
0: Yeah, and I guess because we're typically quite vendor-led, I guess, in a lot of the CX practices now that potentially we're slipping further towards technology as a solution rather than an enabler (laughs) Uh, because a lot of the investment comes from the technology vendors as opposed to the CX practitioner world. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, maybe I can add to that is I come from a big um, IT company. So I worked for EOH, which is one of the biggest IT um, companies in the African sub-Sahara. So they, they, they're they really big. And um, so I started the, the customer experience function for them or consultancy function for them. But because we were known as an IT company, that has always been the push its it was very difficult to make the shift from being i t led to being truly customer led um, so yeah so I, and now i'm making a point to say that, as a cX practitioner i 'm agnostic of technology i don't push any technology i don 't sell any technology i don't benefit by selling any technology i'm really helping the clients to understand what do they need agnostic of technology mm. um, so and, and that I think that's the value that we can add is having that um, external perspective, that external view that doesn't really benefit a technology company.
0: And that's great, I guess, to know there are people who can see both sides with your level of experience and exposure of that technology environment um, and the recognition of the challenges that exist there in things like leading by design rather than by tech. But typically... Technology is a very male-dominated environment, right? And software, those kinds of industries. You don't see many women at senior level. I just wondered, like, has your gender ever been a challenge in the past when working in those types of companies, especially when trying to drive the customer agenda?
1: Claire, I really, if I think about this long and hard, I can't remember a specific incident. Maybe something happened and it was subconsciously sub, uh, um but i do i mean i've seen other women that struggled i see other women in leadership and specifically in it um, and customer-centric positions that has been challenged um, by this i think the difference for me is i mainly worked for myself all the years so i pushed my own agenda i made my own way um so it's 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 different but I think the challenges that that women do face is around being accepted as leaders and they just in general their ability to be to be leaders um I've seen it in in e o h although they did they tried very hard to to enable women i mean one of the things that they've done for us is to put us all through a coaching program um leadership coaching program so there was definitely there's a shift um, but i think I think the numbers are showing that they're not doing it um, hard enough. The push isn't big enough. They're still, they're, If you look at leaders now, they're still mainly male. And I think the other thing is there's this belief um, that women are the caring mothers or the housekeepers. We, we're there to care for everyone. Um, yeah. So this, I think there is, there is some perception still around women that needs to be changed.
0: But I think that's a slow process. Mm. So would you say South Africa is further behind the curve than other parts of the world on that? Or do you think it's the same?
1: No, I think it's the same. What I've seen, what I've heard from other women, okay, I think it's the same. I think the tendency is the same. Um, and hence, it's just playing out here with us as well.
0: So just to be clear, because I wasn't quite sure what you meant. So is it? Do you think it's the women's ability to lead or other people's belief or mainly men's belief in an equitable ability to lead
1: yes I think that's the one it's, it's the, the perception okay. that yeah yeah but we don't necessarily have the ability to lead
0: yeah I just think back to um when I was in corporate the amount of times technology companies would come and talk to my team and me um and I was running the team yeah quite often the guys that were coming to talk about technology wouldn't even look at me when we were having those conversations and getting that sense that um they were pitching to the boys and thinking I wouldn't understand Mm, (laughs) some of the mm. the terms um it was always really strange to me because sitting in a a team of men and vendors coming in who are also male it tended to exclude me I don't know why but yeah I, I think I think it is perhaps a perception thing when it comes to technology that we can't wrap our little pretty brains around <laughs> well, some of the I, I think have.
1: that's I think that's the one thing. And the other thing mm. is that I've been seeing is that there isn't a lot of women in IT. Mm. I can't I can't tell you why. I'm not sure if it's not mm. um an interest, if woman doesn't have an interest in, in IT. Um, but if you look at typical IT sales, IT support. Um, I'm thinking of, of even development. How many women developers do you know? Mm. Um, one. I so only IT know one sp- woman who can code. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, so IT specifically as an industry is mm. is hugely male dominant, and and maybe it's just because there's a lack of interest from women. Mm. I mean, um, I, I can't I can't think why else the, the, that gap would exist. Mm. Yeah, maybe. I mean, if you think of women in marketing, for instance, there's a lot more women in marketing. Mm,
0: but perhaps not at the most senior levels, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> so, so coming back to where we were on customer centricity, so you're from a business analysis background originally, right?
1: Uh, well, partially, yes.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> IT and business analysis,
0: yeah. IT and business analysis. So... Typically I think in, in my experience I've seen that it isn't always the most customer centric approach when gathering business requirements there may be customer requirements gathered but I've seen it done in um a not particularly customer centric way so I was really interested to understand as you kind of led a change in that approach where you were what was it that you did to really humanize traditionally process-driven activities?
1: So I think the one thing that I've done is to re-establish myself as a customer experience specialist rather than a BA mm-hmm. or business analyst because a business analyst traditionally is is considered as um, someone that understands and explores the business or your internal stakeholders. Mm-hmm. What is it that they need? What is it that the business needs in order to operate? What should your business processes look like? so it's it's very much inside focus from the inside out. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think that if you look at the if you look at the um, the BA BOK, which is the, the framework or the, 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 for for business analysts um they are changing it they, are, they dis- including things like design thinking. so they are looking at reinventing or redefining what the business analyst should be. But in my mind, the business analysis is a key function or key link in customer experience. So, Agreed. So, and, the, and the only shift is really your stakeholders. So are you looking at your internal stakeholders or are you looking at your insta- who's driving the need? Is mm. it the business driving the need or is it, are you allowing the customers to drive the need and to drive the change? So for me, it's business analysis 101 it's it's and it's uh, that's what we do we document requirements we understand the requirements we elicit requirements we we engage with stakeholders it's it's everything that a business analyst do that we do as a but we just do it from a different perspective mm. so for me business analysis is or a good business analyst ask the right question in the right way to the right person <laughs> at the right time so it's very much already a people-orientated process and function. Uh, we just need to allow the business analyst to take a more outside-in perspective.
0: Nice. I really like that. That sounds like the perfect storm. Um, I, I gave business analysis a bit of a hard time when I first asked you that question. But equally, some of the most successful projects I've worked on, especially in government and public services, have been working with an awesome business analyst too because I think it can also be the other way around when the customer experience approach isn't business focused enough either Um, Mm. so how can we create that perfect storm that enables as you said the CX practitioners to think a little bit more inside out and the BAs to be able to think a bit more outside in Mm. and have a more balanced view together so
1: for me, the critical part or the critical function of the business analyst is to take the work that we've done. When we imagine the customer experience, the future experience, that redesigned journey, those touch points, and we've, we've, we've redesigned that, they need to articulate that and, and write it in a user story and say, this is the detail around that. This is yeah. And then that insight is needed for the developers to develop the solution. Yes. So it's, it's really, it's, it's a, there needs to be, I don't even want to say a handover, because it's not like you're handing it over from, from a CX function to the business analysis function, there need to be a very close collaboration between the, mm-hmm. the, the experience designer, the business analyst who needs to take whatever's in our mind, this vision, this, this future state, articulate it in some kind of a function that a developer can go and build. Mm. Um, so there needs to be very, very much you know, alignment and collaboration and, in order to make sure that we can end up with the, the, the desired experience.
0: Yeah, that's interesting that you say it that way. I guess I was thinking it, it, if we were starting a discovery for a customer experience design project, say, how do you work with the BA from the outset in that research phase to be working together to establish the right insight from the outset, for example. Um, And as a fellow CX design geek, I think we both are quite openly CX designer, service design geeks. I was just wondering if you could walk me through an example of how nowadays, now you're the founder and director of Mapping Key, what would your mixed methodology look like in terms of a client project?
1: So I think I'm I'm a design thinking evangelist, so I completely I'm sold to um, design thinking, and I think for me the core of design thinking is that you can explore the problem. It allows you to to establish deep empathy and understanding of the problem space, so that you can discover purposeful solutions. So that for me is around driving efficiency and emotional connection. But design thinking on its own isn't going to give you the full picture. Yes. You need to incorporate systems thinking. We need to look at the entire system. The, you need to be able to get a holistic view of the organisational problem. So, if you're just thinking of the customer and what the challenges that we're going to um, and how we're going to um, resolve that challenge, you might find that the, you don't have the system to deliver that or implement that. Yeah. So, a key part is the systems view that will help us to identify those internal relationships among um, subsystems. And then I think it's about lean. Mm. And that is where we really transform how we think as an organization, how we help people to believe that they are the change. Mm. And for me, that is where we drive efficiency and quality and, and remove um, waste. And then last but not least is to be agile. And that's where we, we promote ecosystem collaboration. That's what I talked about earlier. That's where we deliver incremental or um, um, interactive change. And that's about driving quality delivery. Mm. So I really feel that those four elements need to be part of every engagement um, to some degree and some element. And it can be how you implement it and how you do it can be different depending on the projects that you work on.
0: That was so eloquently put. I feel very clumsy now, having called us CX design geeks, uh, having heard your design thinking evangelism, um, but that, that, that was really wonderfully put. Thank you. Um, so my last question for you today is just what advice you'd give to women who are considering transitioning from traditional b a roles into customer experience what would you what would you say to them
1: so As a business, as a typical business analyst, I would start by studying and familiarizing myself with the core CX competencies. And there you can use something like the CXPA's framework or even Forrester, I love following Forrester, to understand what exactly are the key competencies or the skill sets that you need in order to be become a customer experience professional. Um, then I would do a lot of research around what experts are saying. I would connect with experts, read, follow up, do research. And here I want to mention that my first book, my first ever book was Matt Watkinson's book, the 10 principles behind great customer experience. Love Matt. Um, Have you read it?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Matt's my mentor. So yeah.
1: yeah. So that was a, that was a, that was a practical step for me in starting yeah. it gave me the confidence that i needed yeah. to start having cx conversations yeah. and then i think the last two things is get a mentor mm-hmm. um so like yourself ian golding was, was my mentor and a critical friend someone that you can test with something that you can if, just just soundboard your thinking someone that can give you guidance in with regards to what it is what you mm-hmm. can do and then the last is figure out what would it means for you in your organization where you are so now that you know the competencies what would it mean for you in your organization how can you slowly but surely start implementing some of that stuff um, in your organization and start showing value um, for the organization
0: I think that's brilliant advice I'm sure all of our listeners um, if they aren't on a CX path or even if they are um, will be able to follow that advice and definitely get ahead so thanks so much for being with us today, Michelle. It was lovely to meet you um, on the podcast and can't wait to see what you do next. Have you got anything coming up in the pipeline that the listeners might need to know about?
1: Nothing that I can recall at the moment, though.
0: No. Oh, not your, your mentoring and coaching? Oh, but, yes, yes, maybe. And the CX book. Oh, sorry. Yeah.
1: The CX book two. Yes. CX book two. <laughs> yeah, CX book two. Oh, yes. And then, of course, I've put together a a CCXP coaching program specifically for people that want to be, um, get their CCXP qualification. So, it's, I've put together a full framework, a competency framework, coach them through that, build their confidence, and then write the exam, exam and pass the first time. So, Amazing. that's the
0: objective. And where can our listeners find out more about that?
1: They can go to our website, um, www.mapandkey.co.za.
0: Okay, awesome. Make sure you head over there, folks. So that's all for today. Thank you again, Michelle. Just one more thank you to say to Joachim Thorne and Effectly for being our sponsor of the uh, sponsors of the production. And I hope to see you all next week. Bye for now. Bye Michelle. Bye and thanks again. Thanks for listening to the Women in CX podcast with me, Claire Muskett. If you enjoyed the show, please drop us a like, subscribe, and leave a review on whichever platform you're listening or watching on. And if you want to know more, please do join us at womenincx.community and follow the page on LinkedIn. Join us again next week when I'll be talking to a woman who is the first Chief Experience Officer in the USA and is a fabulous role model for aspiring female CX leaders around the world. Bye for now.